Over the last weeks, you have heard of the prophet Habakkuk, the prophet who prays, the prophet whose prayers are answered, and now tonight the prophet who sings. In the first chapter, the prophet lamented. He prayed to the Lord about the injustices that are done in the land and the injustices that he experiences every day living where he lived. And he also prayed about the problem of evil. Why is this God letting all these horrendous, terrible things happen to the Lord's people and to the righteous? But in chapter 2, we heard the Lord's answer. We heard that the Lord required of you patience and faith. Patience to see how God was working out all things together for the good of those who love him. And faith to trust that he was, in fact, doing so. And tonight, a third of this prophet, Habakkuk, a third of his book, bearing his name, we learn of something, maybe we could have left off at chapter 2, but we learn of something that I think is really of utmost importance when we think about lament and we think about prayer and we think about how the Lord answers us. And that is an ultimate submission to the Lord. And this submission that Habakkuk shows us tonight, it comes namely in the form of prayer. You heard it in verse 1. This is the final prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. But it comes in kind of three different ways. And the first way is this, is that the prophet recognizes and he speaks to the Lord. He speaks back to the Lord what the Lord has spoken to him. He tells the Lord that he has learned the lesson, in other words, that he has heard what the Lord has said and that he understands it and wants to live that way. And this is a good way to pray. This is a way that you should pray. That when you read something in the Lord's word or you understand something from the Lord's word, that you tell the Lord that which he has promised to you. This is what we do over and over again in the Lord's Prayer. Whenever we say, hallowed be thy name, for instance, of course, we know his name is already holy in itself. But we're praying that it would be holy in us, too, and that we would keep it holy among us. And so this is what Habakkuk does. He says, oh, Lord, I have heard your speech and I was afraid. And he's going to go on to talk about that patience and that faith that we talked about before. But I do want to zoom in, first of all, on this word, afraid. The prophet was afraid. The prophet was afraid. What was he afraid of? And what should we be afraid of from God? I think we can fear basically two things about God. One is his temporal punishment. That is something that Habakkuk and that we have been thinking a lot about 
over the past couple weeks. The Lord's temporal punishment, that is, his punishment in time, in history, on a people. For instance, the Babylonian captivity that Habakkuk himself experienced. That kind of punishment, the punishment of things like war, the punishment of things like illnesses, the punishment of things like hardships and natural disasters. We can fear that the Lord who commands the wind and the waves, the Lord who commands our bodies, the Lord who commands wars, we can fear that he would send those on us. And as we learned in chapter 1, if he did so, it would be rightfully so. But we can also fear, maybe most of all, his eternal punishment. That he could also rightfully uh, rightfully damn us. He is God. He is the Lord. The wrath is mighty in his hand. It is right to fear the Lord because the Lord can punish and does punish wickedness. We know Jesus himself says, fear not the one who can destroy the body only. Men can destroy the body, but fear the one who can destroy the body and soul in hell. That is who we should fear. The Lord wants to remind Habakkuk of that. And when the Lord speaks, Habakkuk is reminded. And so he says, I heard your speech and I was afraid. I do want to add, however, that when we fear the Lord for his punishment, it isn't just a pure terror. It is a true fear. Don't get that wrong. It is a true fear of punishment. But it's a fear like children fear their father's punishment. Because he's also, as much as he is our Lord, our Heavenly Father. And if he does punish us, we should recognize it is meant for our good. And we should recognize that eternally he does not want to punish us. He desires all men to be saved. And he has called you son. He has called you daughters. And so we fear him, yes, but we fear him with love and we fear him with confidence. And the Proverbs teach us that that kind of fear that Habakkuk has here and that we should have as we're seeking tonight to submit to the Lord, that kind of fear is the beginning of wisdom. With that kind of fear, we can start to have the right relationship with God to be able to see clearly what he wants to show us. And so he starts off with fear. And the submission continues that he has learned, as we said earlier, he repeats back to the Lord what he has learned. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, 
remember mercy. Habakkuk has learned patience. He recognizes that it might not be a few hours, it might not be a few days, it might not be a few months that everything in his life is going to work out and that the Lord's going to show him why he's doing what he's doing in this time. But it might be years. And Habakkuk's prayer is simply this. In the midst of the years, however many they may be, make it known. Make me know your word. And he has faith that he is saved. He has faith that in wrath the Lord will remember the mercy he has shown to him. So this is the first part of submission, is fear of the Lord, recognizing what he has answered and repeating it back to him. The second part is this, and this is actually most of the chapter. Habakkuk, for the sake of his hearers, recounts what we call in theology a theophany, which is a technical term. That's your 10-cent word for the day. A theophany is a vision of the Lord. And Habakkuk for us tonight recounts how the Lord came to him to answer the questions. He says, God came from Tim and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hands and there was his power hidden before him was pestilence and fever followed at his feet. And Habakkuk goes on to describe how the Lord then went across the earth and how the Lord in this vision that he had as the Lord's answering Habakkuk's questions was carrying out his wrath and had the whole world mighty and powerful in his hands. He had the whole world mighty and powerful in his hands. He sees exactly in this theophany what we've been saying the last couple of weeks, that the Lord is in complete control. You can go back and you can read in Habakkuk 3 all of the amazing things that the Lord does here with the rivers and the horses and the mountains and the seas. But the point is this, the whole world is in God's hands. Now, I can't promise you that this Christmas Eve or this Christmas morning you're going to have a theophany. I kind of doubt that any of us are going to have visions from the Lord in the way that Habakkuk did. But I can promise you this, that the Lord is in his word. Habakkuk got to see a great vision. But Peter would tell you, who saw the transfiguration, yeah, that was great, but we have something more sure. The word. The word which the Lord has preserved throughout history. The word which speaks to us these visions and these truths passed on from generation to generation. The word which provides all things needful. And you have this word. You have the word of Habakkuk. 
And whenever those questions and those laments, the kind that Habakkuk had to begin with, why are there so many injustices? Why does God let bad things happen to good people? And there's a lot of questions that do pop up around this time of year. Christmas is an incredibly joyful time, of course, but Christmas is also really hard. Because at Christmas, you also think about the people who aren't there anymore. You think about the people that should be, but they're not. And you think about the people who don't get to have a Christmas like you get to have a Christmas. And you think about maybe how many more Christmases you have left. And so Christmas can be a hard time. Too, but when those questions and those sufferings and those hardships and those laments start to come into your mind, you have something sure. You have God's word. You have the words, the answers that he has given to Habakkuk. The encouragements toward patience, the promise that the just live, not die, but live by faith. And I want to point you to just one word from this chapter tonight, verse 13, part of the vision of Habakkuk. Talking to the Lord, you went forth for the salvation of your people, for salvation with your anointed. That's a technical term, by the way, for the Messiah, for Jesus. You went forth for the salvation of your people, for salvation with Jesus. You struck the head from the house of the wicked by laying bare from foundation to neck. Whenever you start to doubt if God is on your side or if God is working out all things together for the good of those who love him, remember this, that the Lord came down from heaven above. That the Lord went forth with Jesus Christ. That the Lord went forth and slayed from the house of the wicked the head of the dragon, laying him bare from foundation to neck. Smashing his head. Winning for you the forgiveness of all of your sins. Winning for you everlasting life. That's what your Lord did. That's the one who has the whole world in his hands. He's the one who gave you his word. He's the one who answers you. He's the one who comes to you like he came to Habakkuk. And the final part of Habakkuk's submission is this. He sings. This whole chapter, commentators disagree on this and I honestly can't tell you what I think. This whole chapter might be a song. At least the last few verses are. He tells you as much in the text of chapter 3 that he will make a song to the Lord. And this is Habakkuk's song. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength, and he will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on high hills. Though everything be gone. This is, by the way, where Luther got that stanza in A Mighty Fortress. Take they, our goods, fame, child, and wife. Though these all be gone, our victory still is won. Even if everything is gone this Christmas. Say everything goes away. Say there's no presents under the tree or lights on the tree or music playing in the streets. Say the people who you want to be there aren't there. Say there's a lot of suffering. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And why? Because he is my strength. And no matter what happens, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I know that I trust in him. He will make my feet light. He will allow me to jump and to walk diligently on the mountaintops of the heavens. Because that's who my Lord is. And that is what he has promised me through Jesus Christ. There's no better time to sing than Christmas. There's no better time of the year that people like to sing than Christmas. And Habakkuk sings. And so let's sing this Christmas. We've been singing evening prayer. Let's keep singing it. But let's keep singing his praises, not just this Christmas, but forever. Because that's part of submission to the Lord. When he has answered us and when he has given us so many mighty gifts, let us sing to him a hymn of praise. To him be all the honor and glory now and forever. Amen. We stand for the Magnificat.